0: Hi everybody, this is Rabbi Mayer Friedman, and I want to share with you an answer to this morning's question. Just a quick recap of the question. The Tama tells us that it was in the merit of Joseph that the sea split. So the question was, what is the relationship between Joseph and the sea splitting? What did Joseph do that was so great? And whatever that thing was, what does that have to do with the sea splitting? So, a major shout out to Ken Winkler, who shared a great answer that Joseph, he was seduced, or at least attempt, there was this, an attempt, uh, an attempted seduction—by Potiphar's wife. Mrs. Potiphar tried seducing Joseph, and he refused to be seduced, and he ended up in jail for it. So, what Kammler wants to suggest is that, just like Joseph went against his, you know, human nature of not being tempted, of not giving in to this, to this temptation. Um, so he was going against his nature, so to speak. So too, the sea, in that merit, the sea went against its nature, and it split. So that, thank you, Ken. Awesome answer. I want to share with you another answer that I heard a number of years back from my grandfather, Rabbi Hirsch Diskins, well. I don't remember who he said it, the name of, but it's something that's always stuck with me. And it's my own little twist, really, on what he said starting out with that story of Joseph, back to that story of Joseph and Mrs. Potiphar when she tried seducing Joseph, the Torah tells us that she grabbed onto his coat and he slipped out of his coat and ran away. She then used that coat to show to everybody, see, you know I have his coat? She said to everybody when they came back later, I have his coat because he tried attacking me. He tried assaulting me. And I put up a fight but I managed to hold onto his coat. You see, that's how I know that he assaulted me. So the question is, why did Joseph leave his coat with her? He's a young, fit guy. Why do you just like, instead of just running away, let him turn back, you know, grab it out of her hands. If, he, if she's holding on tight, you might have to like, you know, knock her over or put up a bit of, you know, you might have to fight her a little bit to grab it, but knowing she's gonna use this to accuse him of assaulting her, why didn't he just grab with her when he left, grab it from her when he left? There are a number of different answers, but the answer that my grandfather wants to suggest um, is that, this is actually my own answer based upon what he said, is that we Jews, we sometimes, unfortunately, were forced to defend ourselves. We have to put up a fight. But fighting is the, is the last resort for us. It's the antithesis of what we stand for. So Joseph would rather end up in jail for 10 years than have to hurt mrs potiphar to get his coat back even though she's going to use this to accuse him falsely so too with the jews the jews when they left egypt it says in the torah they were chamushim, and there's none of rashi gives a different a few different explanations what this word chamushim means but one of them it says rashi means that they were armed when they left egypt they took egypt's they took animals from the egyptians they took a lot of treasures gold and silver and jewelry from the egyptians and they also took weapons from the egyptians and the Jews numbered, the men were 600,000 men, the, the men between 20 and 60. 600,000 men. They were a massive army. They, they could have been a massive army. Why didn't they turn back and fight against the Egyptians when the Egyptians were coming after them? Instead of like going into the sea, why didn't they just say, Alright, we're going to fight. We're going to turn back and fight them. We see, and we, we see that they fight them shortly after the splitting of the sea. They fight with the Amalekites, so why don't they fight with the Egyptians? And, again, I think it's the same reason that until they're... Maybe if they would have been forced into it, if the sea wouldn't have split, they would have done that. But that is absolutely the last resort. Fighting is not in the Jewish nature. If we have any other way of getting around it, we'll get around it. As, um, I believe it was, Goldemir said that we could forgive the, uh, the... the We could forgive the Palestinians or the Arabs, I don't remember exact words, for murdering our children. We cannot forgive them for turning our children into murderers. We well. I think the way she said it was: "You can forgive them for killing our, our children. We can't forgive them for turning our children to killers." My grandfather was a Holocaust survivor. My father's father just—we just had an a, a international um, Holocaust Remembrance Day um, two days ago on Wednesday. My grandfather was was went to the concentration camps, and after the war, he was in Germany. He was on the train with some friends that had that he was with the camps, in. I guess they became friends in the, in the concentration camps. They were together in the concentration camps, and he's on the train. With his friends, after the war, somewhere in Germany, and he saw on the in the, in the train car behind them was one of the guards from the camp that they were that they were uh, they were stuck in from the concentration camp that they had been stuck in. Now, to be a Nazi guard in concentration camp means that you know you woke up a little tired and you're in a bad mood. You just pulled out your gun and you just stopped, shot three Jews just because why not? You know that was what that was what a Nazi officer that was what a Nazi was. So this is a person that they saw just randomly kill their friends, kill the people, kill the Jews, because who knows why? You know, his wife, he, him and his wife got in a fight, took it out on the Jews. Any any little dumb thing, no problem, just, kill, just, just go kill a couple of Jews. And so when they got to the, you can imagine the hatred that they felt for this guard. They got to the next station, my grandfather and his friends, they ran off the car, ran into this guy's car, this Nazi guard's car, and they pulled him off the plane, to, uh, off the train, Into the station, and they beat him to a bloody pulp. And my father, my I never, my grandfather passed away before I was born. My father told me, told me that this is what his father told him. My father said to me that he asked his father. He said, "Dad, did you kill the guy?" And his father told him, he said, "We wanted to kill him. The urge was there to kill him, but we couldn't bring ourselves to do it." This is a guy who murdered countless Jews. But because right now their lives weren't at stake anymore, they're able to muster up the the uh, that that you know the ability to beat him up. They beat the guy to bloody pulp, but they couldn't bring themselves to actually take his life after seeing, after living through the hell of the concentration camps, and seeing what this guy, the amount of Jews this guy, this guy himself had murdered. So again, when we're forced to fight as Jews. We have to, you know, when we're forced to, we do it. We thank God for the IDF protecting Israel. You know, if we're being attacked and we gotta we gotta we gotta defend ourselves, we'll all defend ourselves. But it's the last last resort. And when the sea saw that the Jews were continuing this trait of Joseph that he wouldn't fight if he was, had a different no matter how horrible way out, he had a way out, he wouldn't attack Mrs. Potifar, yes he'll end up in jail. He's not gonna. He's not gonna attack her. He doesn't have to. He got by that it. And now this. And then the seesaw. The same thing happened with the Jews. The Jews, as a whole, had this trait. They didn't turn around and fight the Egyptians because they weren't absolutely one hundred percent forced into it. Said the sea. For that, they're trying so hard to not fight. That's the reason for the sea to split. And that merit the sea split. Have a wonderful Shabbos, everybody. Speak to you next week. Hopefully next week we'll be back on a Wednesday. Have a great Shabbos.